Hi, welcome to the Bridge Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following message. For more information on all that's happening at the Bridge Church, please visit www.bridge-church.com. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. If, if you've been on the fast with us for the last three weeks, well done. You're more than halfway there. You're actually two-thirds of the way there. And um, if you've been gazing longing, longingly at KFC signs and people you've been fellowshipping with that, that have been so inconsiderate as to have a scone in front of you or anything like that, that you've held fast to the fast, and uh, praise God. So our fasting themes over the three weeks, the first week was seeking, this week has been believing for certain things, and next week is choosing choosing certain things, and Linda and I were praying in the car this week, and we're choosing to, you know, if we've been tripped up on our fast, and I've heard people say this to me this week, we're choosing to get back on it, okay? So failure is not fatal. You just get up, get up again, and you go again. You stay, stay with that commitment, amen? So we're believing for, this week we're believing for our family, and a lot of us are praying for our families, nation, the the, the church, the lost, healing and deliverance, miracles, amen. God is a God of miracles. And this week, our meditation, our scriptures are going to be on choosing to forgive, choosing to be kind and generous, choosing God's word. There's tons of stuff you could read and, you know, on your phone or whatever, but choosing God's word, choosing to endure, that's a choice. The deciding to stay with the program is a choice. Choosing to serve and choosing to worship. Worship is also a choice. And so, um, and it's a place of incredible breakthrough. So I'd encourage you to, to be worshipers. And the Bible says that um, God is looking for those who would worship him in spirit and in truth. So it suggests to me that they're not just turning up at his doorstep. He's actively seeking people who would worship him. And so, thank God for that. So, we um, uh, trust that whatever your reasons have been to do this fast, have, does everyone have a reason for doing the fast? Otherwise, you're just on a, on a diet. <laughs> you see, have, have, a reason, have a reason for doing your fast. And we trust that you'll reap the, the reward. You'll see the fruits from your fast, amen, in due course. And so, you know, if you're... Um, looking for a freedom from addiction, that that'll come to pass. We have more, more people coming to church from an addiction, from the addiction community, and God has helped them to overcome. If, we're, if you're looking, if you're fasting for revival in your family or the nation, which is called a Samuel fast, there's different types of fast, then we trust that we will see that. We desperately need it. If you want to, if you're fasting to get rid of some negative habits or feelings, that's called the Elijah fast. Yeah, fear, trying to get rid of that fear. And there's, there's other types of fast. We can go over them sometime. If you're interested in what those kind of fasts are, you can go onto the resources page on Jensen Franklin Ministries. We'll see it there. Amen. But I want to say this this morning, fasting, I found out, doesn't make me more powerful. Fasting doesn't make us more powerful but it makes us more prepared to let an all-powerful God use us and, and work through our lives. So I'm, I'm, I'm probably the weakest individual 
I'm sure we all have our weaknesses, but in light of, of everything, I think, wow, I've got a long way to go. So fasting doesn't make me powerful, but it prepares me to be used by God, who's El Shaddai, who is the almighty God, who is powerful, amen? And um, for a believer, if you're in this place this morning and you're a believer, it's an expected discipline. It, the Bible doesn't say if you fast, it says when you fast. So we have all got a choice to make. When are we going to fast? Because we could put this fast behind us now and not fast until next January. Or we could fast again and make it more frequent, amen? And so I think fasting, I don't know about you guys, but it makes me totally aware of my natural desires. It makes me like, I'm like, oh, there you are. I didn't have to look too hard for you weren't hiding, were you? It makes me so aware of my natural desires. And for many, in many ways, God designed those natural desires into our lives, didn't he? He designed things into our life so that we could enjoy life. It's like emotion. Emotion's a, emotion is a beautiful thing because emotion enriches our lives. You don't want to be one of those dull, emotionless Christians, okay? <laughs> like full of gloom and doom. And emotion is just, emotion makes life wonderful, doesn't it? Um, if you cry at movies, you know, it's like, and you know, it's like you're trying to cover it up, rest the family, you know, you pull the cushion up a wee bit higher, you know, but just sometimes we like, you know what, Lord, just give me the freedom to let the emotion out. Amen. So God designed us to have these um, natural instincts. Like, for example, if something is threatening you, you're going to run or you're going to fight, fight or flight or freeze. You decide. So all of these things are designed into us. But every one of us have taken a different direction on this fast, haven't we? And if we yield ourselves to the direction that we've taken, we're going to gain a spiritual ascendancy over the things that are popping up in our side mirrors, our rearview mirror, and dead ahead. And that's going to help us um, because those natural things, they'll try and take ascendancy, won't they? They'll try and get out a kilter. They'll try and get, bring your life. They'll try and bring unbalance into your life. And so if you know what Paul said, Paul said, my spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. And so by fasting, we open the door to let God's strength become our strength. And we overcome the weaknesses and the weariness in our lives when we fast. And it's always the same with anything. It's like anything, you know, You've got to get to that point of breakthrough. Most people don't manage to push through the breakthrough point. It's like learning to play the cello, for example, right? At some point, I guarantee you, your fingers are going to be sore. You're going to have cramp in your arm. You're, this is like so hard. I'm going to give, I'm just, I think, you know, I've given it a shot. But just a little bit further and you break through and it's like all the pieces of the puzzle come together. It's like, oh, so this is how this thing's supposed to sound, <laughs> you know? Amen. So we just gotta, we've just got to keep on going. And so in Matthew chapter 6, verse 16, I like, I love using the Amplified Bible. It says, whenever you're fasting, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. For they put on a sad and dismal face like actors, discoloring their faces with ashes and dirt. 
so that their fasting may be seen by men. You see that everywhere you go. You're like, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like you, you just about crawl into a room. What's wrong with you? I'm fasting. It's like... You're actually not supposed to let everybody know that you're fasting. You're supposed to be, your father who sees you do it in secret will reward you openly. It's like, I'm fasting and you better know it. Don't you dare bring anything out in front of me. How dare you? Don't you realize that I've had stomach cramps for days and all of this kind of thing. So, and then it says, I assure you, I most solemnly say to you, they already have their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face, put on some deodorant, you know, smell nice, I'm ad-libbing here, and, and so that your fasting will not go noticed by other people, but by your Father who's in secret, and he will reward you openly. Amen? So sometimes, if we can get all of that out of the way, and we stick to our fast. I thank God I've got my, my wife to help me on the fast. You know, um, that definitely makes it easier. But you, we need encouragers. So I'm encouraging you this morning to keep going on your fast. One more week to go. And breaking the fast is going to be sweet. Next Sunday, we're going to have fellowship upstairs. We're going to have food. We're going to have some nice things. Not, not too much. Just some nice things. It's going to be great. But another powerful thing happens when you fast. Your authority, and the title of this message is today is The Anointing and the Authority, Your A-Game. Those two A's, the anointing and the authority. Another thing happens to the believer when they fast. The authority that you wield becomes more powerful. The, the scepter, scepter of authority is wielded by you much more convincingly. And I want you to think about someone who's come to you in a position of authority, but they haven't sounded very convincing. Have you ever had that before? It's like we, we, we once had a, had a workshop foreman, and uh, he was, you know, kind of one of the guys. He was the gaffer. And then he was promoted to the, the workshop manager, and he could never, he could never receive or accept the extra authority that was given to him. So whenever he came to one of us on the shop floor, and we were, we were all dirty, greasy, um, grease monkeys, diesel mechanics, he would come and almost beg for you to do something. And it was terrible to see him in this position where he couldn't break away from, well, these were my, these were my friends. So this, we still were his friends. But he had this extra authority, but he wouldn't wield the authority because he thought it would cause a problem. We would probably have loved it if he had just been who he was. Be our, you, you're the workshop manager. We need you to be a strong manager. So go on, go on and know day that. Just come and say, David, you know, I want you to go and, you know, do this, do that. That would be fine. Because... Unconvincing authority is quickly usurped. And in fact, unconvincing authority, authority is a lethal liability to you as a Christian. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like Moses. Do you remember Moses had the rod? Well, when Moses, he's got this rod, right? And, and when Moses looks at the rod, he sees this six-foot-long wooden pole that you use for um, herding sheep. 
So he's looking at this rod and he's like, what authority have you given me? But God says, no, the rod is not a six foot long wooden pole for sheep and hitting folk. <laughs> the rod is tema, the Hebrew word for a scepter. The rod was tema. It was a scepter of authority. It was an emblem of rule. And he just didn't know he didn't know how to wield it. Remember, he wielded it in anger once. And he, what did he do with it? He hit the, he hit the rock and the, when, to, to cause the waters to come out. And God was angry. He was angry with him. And it's like God gives us this authority to wield. And when we fast and when we draw closer to him, when we sanctify ourselves, when we purify our lives, all of us, we begin to increase in authority. And I believe that we need to know our authority. Amen? Do you remember those guys who were the sons of the chief priest, Sceva, the seven sons of Sceva? They, they uh, went around, they had seen the apostles casting out demons. So they went about, they said, we're going we're gonna to get in on this gig and we're going to go, we're going to begin to find people and cast out de demons. And they went to one particular man and they attempted to cast out a demon, but they, they were totally impotent. They couldn't do it. In fact, they were overcome and they were beaten really, really badly by, these, by this demon-possessed man. And so, you know, um, unconvincing authority, not really knowing where the authority comes from. I'm just going to copy what someone else is doing. I'm going to do, I'm going to say, um, in the name of Jesus, who Paul preaches, or in the, name of, in the name of Jesus that those people at the bridge church use when they're praying for people, without, without having relationship, without knowing the giver of authority, it's not going to help us. Amen? And so, you know, we're redeemed by the cross, aren't we? Our redemption was won by the cross, but the real our real life and power comes from the resurrection, doesn't it? So we're all redeemed. Thank God if you've given your life to Christ, you've, you've been born again, you've, you're redeemed. But it was the resurrection of Jesus. If you don't believe in that, then you have, you have nothing to stand on because you have to confess with your mouth that he is Jesus, the son of God, and that he was raised from the dead. So the, a Christian's life is impotent and without authority unless we accept the, the, that we have been raised to life with Christ, seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Amen? And so the authority of someone who's given their life to Christ and who's accepted that they will surrender their will to him and is truly ready to truly serve him Amen? Gets that authority that's described in Ephesians 2 because we've been raised, spiritually raised and seated together with Christ in heavenly places. Amen? You'll find that in Ephesians chapter 2. Amen? Uh, can I read quickly? It says there in, in verse 1, And you he made alive when you were spiritually dead and separated from him because of your sin in which you once walked. You were following the ways of the world or the influences. Now, is there influences in the present age that we live in? Amen. You were living influenced by this age in accordance with the prince of the power of the air, who is Satan, the devil, 
our enemy, the spirit who is now at work in the disobedient, the unbelieving, who fight against the purposes of God. All right, just I'll come back to that later on. These are people who fight against the purposes of God. Okay, so they're anti-Christ. They're anti the things of God. Among these believers, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, and our behavior was governed by ourselves, which was sinful. Indulging the desires of our flesh. And do we still struggle with that? Indulging the desires of our flesh. Without the Holy Spirit and the impulses of a sinful mind, we were by nature children under a sentence of God's wrath. But... God, being so very rich in mercy because of his great love for us, even when we were spiritually dead and separated from him because of our sins, he made us spiritually alive together with Christ. And we, he, he does that by his grace, which we don't, we don't deserve it. We don't merit it, but he does it by his grace. And we've been saved, by his, saved from his judgment by his grace. And then there's that verse that says we've been raised up together with him. And it's so that in time in the future, we'll come to know all of the riches of God's kingdom. And we'll spend eternity with him in heaven. Do you believe there's a place called heaven? I believe there's a place called heaven. I believe there's actually places in God's word that describe it. I think we'd do a sermon on heaven one day. Amen. And so you can read all that, the rest of that at home. But we are his workmanship. He created us to, he created us to take on his character and to take on his compassion and his love and his mercy for other people. And you know what? I think it has to begin here. You've got to have mercy on yourself. Forgive yourself. We, that is the biggest problem we have. Most, most of us have trouble forgiving ourselves, let alone other people. Amen? And so this tells us, he's called us up into a place of authority, seated with Christ. And it's this authority that makes a difference because I don't know if you've re- seen this out there, but in 2022, we live in an age of malevolence. Does anyone know what male- malevolence is? Amen? There's malevolent spirits and powers that wield influence in the world that we live in. And that influence, either knowingly or unknowingly, all right, in people's lives, people are yielded to these influences. Sometimes they do it, it's deliberate, and sometimes they have no idea. And the course of their life is charted by those influences, those evil Spirits, all right? Malevolent, simply the opposite of benevolent. Malevolent means you want to wish something terrible, evil, and bad on someone. Benevolent means you wish them. Amen. Shout it out, church. Come on. It's very quiet in here this morning. It's, it's you wish them well. You wish them good. Amen. And when we, as believers, and when we know and accept our position, when we accept, receive that, we'll also know God's power. And we'll know his anointing in a fuller measure. You see, this revelation in Ephesians 2, what does it do? It puts Jesus Christ in his position, like this is where Jesus is. It tells us where we are, where we are positioned. And it also tells us where the enemy is positioned. 
So we understand after reading that scripture, Jesus, I know exactly where you are. You're at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for me. And I know exactly where I am. I'm down here on this earth, but thank God you sent your Holy Spirit to help me get through life. But I'm seated in heavenly places and you, you're, you're, one day you're, you're going to call me home again. And when I go home, I'm coming to be with you in heaven. And now I know where my enemy is. My enemy is all around me in this world. And his influence is everywhere. And, and he's going to try and deceive me into taking the wrong course for my life. Amen? Do you know that the devil's not afraid of me? The devil's afraid of the authority that I have given to me by the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Satan is afraid of the authority that God has and that he's given to every single person in this room today to wield. That's what he's afraid of. The sons of Sceva had no relationship. They didn't have the presence and power of the Holy Spirit working through them. I, can I say that I made this up? It was like a religious sideshow to them. And there's another word that comes up, the word imposter. And they were imposters, posing as someone, some guys that thought they knew what they were doing, but there was nothing there. They were completely anonymous to the spirit they were trying to cast out. What did the spirit say to them? It's like, um, Jesus I know, and I know who Paul is, but who are you? Anonymity, total anonymity, you know? So, I, I, you know, we want to get to the place where Jesus I know, Paul I know, and it's Emma Bradshaw. I'm, that's it, you know? I mean, put your name in inverted commas. Jesus I know, Paul I know, and I know, I know Linda McLaughlin. And I know that she wields the authority that God has given to her. Amen. And so, as the times intensify, God wants to pour out his grace on people. And you can bet your bottom dollar or your bottom pound or your bottom shilling or whatever it is you've got that they, the forces of darkness are not going to stand on the sidelines and say, on you go. They are going to be intensifying the battle, aren't they? They don't want to let souls find freedom. Amen. They're going to seduce people, deceive people, and try and get them off of the right road, aren't they? Amen. 1 Peter 5, 5 in verse 8 says, be sober. Now, that doesn't just mean to not be blutered. It, it, means, it means to be aware, to be self-disciplined, to be well-balanced in your life. And be alert and cautious at all times because the enemy of yours, who is the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. He's fiercely hungry and he's seeking someone to devour, but resist him. Be firm in your faith. Stand firm. Stand firm in your faith. Resist him. Be rooted in it and grounded, established, immovable, knowing that, well, not only knowing that others have suffered for the sake of the gospel, but Jesus himself, he suffered. He, he took the ultimate punishment for us, amen? And if we do that, and it says there, by the way, if you're going to suffer, you only suffer for a wee while. It's only for a short time. 
If you suffer for a wee while, he who called you to glory will complete, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion, power, authority, sovereignty forever and ever. Amen. So this is you, 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 for 2022. And I, I'm sorry to bring this down to a game. This isn't a game. But if you're going to go into anything with, with your A game, make it the, the A game, the anointing and the authority. Make it those two things that you know. And next Sunday, we're having an anointing service. And we're going to anoint you. And it's not an anointing that's coming from us. It's not from us. It's from the Holy Spirit. We are, we are just vessels. And we, all we do is be obedient. Amen. So, Revelation 12, 9 tells us that Satan deceives the whole world. You know, um, I like to, I, I sometimes think he's a bit of a shapeshifter. Whatever context you live in, whatever is going on around you, and he, if he can pinpoint your weakness, he will, he will create circumstances that will tempt you in your deepest place of temptation. Didn't he do that with Jesus? Jesus had been anointed by the Holy Spirit, had gone into the wilderness fasting for 40 days. What does Satan tempt him with? Food. Food. Oh, you can turn, you can turn these stones into loaves of bread. You'll be fine. Oh, you're the son of God. You can throw yourself off this hype and the angels will come and, you know, he just will just manipulate things. He just, he is looking for your weakness. But thank God, in our weakness, we have his strength. And we have to know that in our, because we, I know all too well my weaknesses. I know, and we could all put our hands up this morning, pride, anger, just wanting to in, uh, indulge our flesh, just um, crabbitness. <laughs> now, the Bible says if you're going to be angry, be righteously angry, but it doesn't say anything about being righteously crabbit. But, um, but all of these things, you know, and, and so he's like that. And you don't know what you don't know, do you? So we have to know we've got the legal right and responsibility to exercise heaven's authority on this earth. Amen? Amen? You know, there's nothing new under the sun. It's, the devil's methods are not new, but in 2022, I really believe we've given him a lot more to work with. That is for sure. We've given him, there's so many mediums and means by which he can work, amen? And so we have to know what are the tools that are at our disposal, what are the tools that are at our disposal? Ephesians 4.27 says, give no place to the devil. Don't give him a room in your house. You heard that saying, if you give someone, some people an inch, they'll take a mile. It says, give no place to the, to the devil. I wouldn't give him a room in my house. He's a bad tenant. He's going to, I mean, you give him a room. It's like these programs, you see, he's, he's not going to want to move out. You can't hardly evict him. He's a bad tenant. And if we give him a place or a stronghold, and how do we do that? We do that when we habitually live in the flesh, not relying on the spirit, not heeding the spirit. We say, I listen, you know, tomorrow morning, I'm going to be a Monday morning atheist. 
the, the switch goes off. And then I'm just going to be whoever I'm going to be. And then when Saturday night comes or Sunday morning, I switch the switch back on again. And, you know, when I was a young man, I lived like that for a lot of years. Sad, very sad. And, and you, the regrets of all the wasted time. You, can, you know, and, and Satan lies to you. You wasted so much time, didn't you, David? Yeah, I wasted it, but I'm going to make up for it. And, and it's when you heed the call, it's when you answer the call. Even when you don't want to, that's when, that's when the Holy Spirit steps in and he says, I'm going to, you thought you were useless. You thought you weren't one of the tools in the toolbox, but I'm going to use you mightily. And you will all be used mightier, mightier than, you know, you think about people Thank God for great evangelists, teachers, preachers, shepherds. But God, you, you can go anywhere and do anything in the world from the traffic lights at the top of the Rye Road. All you've got to do is trust the Lord. Amen. Don't give a place to the devil. Don't, don't, don't walk in rebellion, unforgiveness, selfishness. Amen. Because these strongholds, he doesn't just give them up just like that. No. They've got to be surrendered by him. And you know how we get him to surrender that room in our house? We repent. We repent. We ask for forgiveness. Amen. We repent. We trust in the power of the name of Jesus and in the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, I want to read this. Do you, anyone know John Bunyan? I want to read, read something that he wrote. He wrote this. Temptation to a pilgrim given if he's obeyed the call from heaven. From every side, attack his flesh, and they come again and again afresh, that they might overcome the man and quite destroy him if they can. So pilgrim, guard against the wrong, and in thy mighty God be strong. Amen. It's beautiful, eh? That, that you know, the attacks come from every side. They'll try and overcome, but guard against the wrongs. The, the Bible says, uh, guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. It's our heart. Amen. And so Jesus was anointed. He had the authority of his father. Amen. That's Jesus Christ. Christ means the anointed one. Jesus was his name, his given name. Amen. So, Authority is important, but the anointing to walk in whatever role God has given you is just as important as well. Amen? Because in Isaiah 10, 27, it says, it shall come to pass, it shall come to pass. It's going to happen in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. That's the, that's the thing that breaks the yoke of bondage. Amen. That's the thing that breaks the yoke. Amen. And so next Sunday, we're going to have anointing with oil service. Okay. It's not our anointing. Okay. It's the Holy Spirit's anointing for your life in this season that we're praying for. Amen. And really all we'll be praying for is 
God's will being manifest in your life and that you would yield yourself to God's will. That's what we're praying for, amen? So you'll know what to expect so that when people come down the front, there's nothing weird going on. We're going to pray. You might see people react in different ways, but that's, that's, that's up to the Holy Spirit. That's what, whatever he does, amen? amen? And so that's what we're praying for, for you to yield to his will. And I want to I tell you about the, the, of an example. It's a great illustration. You remember when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane? Well, Gethsemane actually means oil press. That's what the word Gethsemane means, oil press. And that's where Jesus was pressed so intensely that he, he sweat drops of blood. But what did he do? He said, not my will, but your will be done. So yielding to God's will is important. Whenever our will is pressed into doing God's will, it produces an anointing. Gethsemane, the, the place where oil is pressed. You'll feel the squeeze in your life this year. We'll all, I'm sure, be, be challenged. But when that pressure comes, what's going to come out? Your anointing. Your anointing is going to rise up. Your anointing is going to make the way for you. Amen. Whatever task he's got for you this year, you're going to be anointed to do it. Amen. And if you don't know what that is, it's like, I really don't know what, what God's got for me. Just go to Luke chapter 4 and read, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. If we don't do anything else but we mimic Jesus, Lord, you're my example, and I'm going, until you give me a task, I'm going to follow you, I'm going to do what you did. That's going to be good, That's going to be good isn't it? Amen? So, Whatever we do for Christ is going to be part of that pattern anyway. And if he needed the anointing to do it, we really doubly, trebly, gazillions need the anointing to do it. Amen? It was the anointing of the Holy Spirit that made Jesus' ministry effective. That's what it was. It's nothing to do with education, talent, how handsome or beautiful you are. <laughs> It's got nothing to do with that. It's got nothing to do with who your connections are. Nothing. Physical limitations will not stop God from using you. Amen. He gives every believer the anointing of the Holy Spirit so that we can be empowered for 2022, for the year ahead. And so... It doesn't matter what you do, what your avenue of life is. You might be a tradesman like me. You might be a, a blue-collar office worker. You might be the CEO of a company, run your own business. It doesn't matter what avenue of life you're engaged in. His plan for you doesn't change. His plan for you will never change. God uses all vessels, especially broken ones. Amen. To accomplish his plan, doesn't he? Amen, Eleanor. He wants to use every tool in the box. And if I could draw this to a conclusion, 
He wants to use you and me to introduce people who have no savior to his love so that they would know his ministry of love towards him. And that's what he'll use anyone. He'll use anyone. In the Bible, he used, he used um, a five-year-old boy called Mephibosheth. Do anyone know that story? It's a great story. You really need to go and read it in 2 Samuel chapter 9, I think it is. The story of Mephibosheth. Because Saul, Saul and his son Jonathan and his other brothers, they were killed in battle. Before that, David had cut a covenant with Jonathan. They were very, very close. And Jonathan had a son called Mephibosheth. And um, when the regime changed and David, it was foretold, prophesied that David was going to be king of Israel. When the regime changed, um, Mephibosheth's family panicked because in those days, especially with the way the circumstances were, you wouldn't leave anyone of the other lineage around. You wouldn't, they would either be exiled or they'd be killed. So they fled from David because David was coming home to roost and be king. And in the panic, Mephibosheth's nurse dropped him and he became lame in both feet. And he was um, taken away when he was five to a place out in the middle of nowhere called Lodabar, and there he stayed in all of that time with his broken feet and his lameness. And he's probably thinking, I hate you, David. Look what's happened to me and my family because of you. Look what you've done to my family. And he's out there in this place, Mephibosheth. And actually, Jonathan, his father, didn't actually name him Mephibosheth. Jonathan, his father, named him um, uh, Maribel, or Mary Baal, which means someone who opposes other gods, false gods. So this young man, Mephibosheth, had greatness in him, but his name was changed to Mephibosheth, which means shameful one, something like that, one who has shame. And they're out in this place called Lodabar. And so it's a terrible situation. But one day, David's in his palace and he calls, there was still a, a, still a servant there from the household of Saul and he says to this servant called Ziba, you know what, I've been thinking, is there anyone still around from the household of Saul? Is there anyone that, I, that you could find for me? Because I want to bless them because I had this covenant with Jonathan. And I'm kind of ad-libbing because I don't have the whole story, but I think the servant said, yes, there's one called Mephibosheth, and he's crippled in his feet. He's lame in both feet. <laughs> so uh, David says, well, I tell you what, you go and get Mephibosheth, and you bring him here. And so the servant goes and finds M Mephibosheth. And can you imagine what that day must have been like for Mephibosheth when the servant came and darkened his doorway and said, David wants to see you. He thought, I'm for the, that's it. They found out where I am and I'm going there for the, I'm for the chop. 
He's hated me. He hates my family. And, and of course, we all know this, the story of Saul and David. David loved Saul and honored Saul, but Saul grew so violently jealous that he wanted to take David's life. And so Mephibosheth goes and um, he goes back to the palace and um, he probably comes inside to the palace. And I remember the scripture says something alongside. He says, so are you Mephibosheth? He says, yes, yes, my Lord. What would you want with me, your servant, a dirty dog? He, Mephibosheth had, he had such, he was like, I'm the lowest of the low here. And I know what you're going to do with me. And then David says, no, you've got this all wrong. I want to bless you. I want you, I want you to come and sit at my table and have dinner with me. Not just today, but for every single day of your life. You've got this all wrong. And in a moment, Mephibosheth finds out that everything that he thought about since he was five was untrue. And some people go through life thinking about God that way. God, you're, you're responsible for this. If you're so compassionate, if you're, if you're going to save us and do it, then what, where have you been? What have you done? But there's a covenant because of Jesus. And, and God says, all you need to do is come into covenant with me. Receive Jesus Christ. And you know what? I'm going to bless you beyond your, all your wildest imagination. I'm going to have you come and sit at my table. And not only that, as long as you stay at my table, if your feet are under my table, I won't see your crippleness anyway. I don't see your lameness. I don't see how broken you've been because you're sitting at my table. Amen. So he says, you're going to be looked after. I've got a whole posse of servants here. They're going to do all of your farming. They're going to look after you. You're going to dine with me. What a turnaround. God used some, someone so broken, brought him into covenant and blessed him. Thanks for listening. Remember to visit our website, www.bridge-church.com and connect with us via Facebook and Twitter.